Well, here we are at episode 13, and because 13 is a cool number, I have a little something different lined up for us today. I'm going to be revisiting the little segment that I started a while ago on entrepreneurs who have changed history. I have been having so much fun with my guest interviews lately that I had dropped the ball on telling you all about the amazing people who've changed the world in the past. But not just that, I also want to share some fun facts about the number 13, because why not? And then after I've had my fun with those two things, I'm going to be replaying a podcast episode that I featured on as a guest. Simple Social Solutions is co-hosted by Sister Sister Duo. They asked me to come onto their show a couple of weeks ago to talk about how I market controversial businesses. And I realized that while I've been sharing the expertise of my amazing peers and and colleagues in my network, I hadn't shared any of my own tips and advice. So stick around for that. You you come Come again? again. Come Come again. again. Come again. You do what? Come again. Welcome back. You are listening to Come Again, a podcast for the loud and disallowed. I am your host, Georgia Mountford-Blake, and I amplify niche voices online. I work with business owners, marginalized communities, anyone who struggles to be seen and heard online and feels like they have way too many hoops to jump through to advertise something just because it's different. Personally, I am a big fan of different, and I hope to give you lots of different ideas and entertainment, introduce you to all kinds of different people and ideas, and ultimately, I hope to help those of you out there pushing boundaries and challenging social norms because you're amazing and I love what you do. But anyway, first, I'm going to take a few seconds or minutes of your time to share some of these wild things that I found today about the number 13. Because if you don't know by now, this is what I like to do. I like to look up things on the internet and just share them with you because they're weird. I, th- this is my show, okay? I, I enjoy randomness. Not all of these are weird, but there are some crazy things. 13 is a, is a controversial number, I guess. For a lot of people, it's unlucky. For a lot of other people, it's lucky. In some cultures, it's somewhat sinister. Like, it's very often not included in the elevator buttons. For buildings that have more than 13 floors, you might notice that it goes from floor 11 to, I mean, from 12, I can count, it goes from floor 12 to 14 a lot of the time. And likewise, street numbers on, you know, residential houses. In in many places, you will not find a house number 13 because it is considered so unlucky. And and what's considered especially unlucky is Friday the 13th. And what what I've just learned today is that actually, according to uh, the way our calendar is set up, the 13th day of the month is more likely to be a Friday than any other day. How interesting is that? And so often it happens once or twice a year, but sometimes it happens three times a year. The last time it did, that was in 2015. There was a Friday the 13th in February, March and November. And the next time that will happen is in... 2026 four years away somebody remind me then and we'll 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 check we'll see how lucky or unlucky 
the day is. So let's have a look at what else the number 13 is known for. 13 is a prime number. Do we remember our prime numbers from primary school? It is a number greater than one that cannot be divided by anything except itself and one. So it has no factors. So anything that you can divide by two or three or five or seven, as long as it isn't actually three, five or seven, because those are prime numbers. Um, what's the big deal about these prime numbers? Like I remember learning about it. I remember there being a big poster of this sort of spiral thing that was all colorful and the, the numbers would go round and around in the circle, all the different prime numbers so we could memorize them. And I mean, they're kind of cool. It is, it's a fun fact that you can't divide it by anything except yourself. But besides that, is there any point to prime numbers? I asked Google this today and yes. Prime numbers have fascinated mathematicians for millennia, apparently, because they are somehow the building blocks of all numbers. You know, mass-minded people love to find patterns. And one of the most powerful things about prime numbers is that we can't see the pattern. And because of this, we actually use prime numbers in computer science and in cybersecurity. It's sort of like the, the way that we encode things to, to keep it secure like when you when you send something that's encrypted it's like you have a key and the person on the other end has a key and nobody without the key can read this message and the key is a series of characters that is like so random and specific and to come up with those unique key numbers the algorithm that generates those keys relies on a prime number to like like for example without derailing this whole episode into cool stuff about computers an example is when a credit card transaction is made online, it is encoded as it flies through cyberspace by something that relied on prime numbers to work mathematically. So, yeah. Wild. Also, a few other cool mathematical things with the number 13. Apparently, it is not only just a prime number, but it is also a Fibonacci number. Do we remember what Fibonacci numbers are? I actually kind of don't. I remember learning them. Is it, I know it's with addition, something where you, a number that you can get by adding, adding one and then adding, you go, like, is it, is it something to do with like pairs? Let's see what Uncle Google says. Fibonacci sequence is where the next number is found by adding the two numbers before it. Cool. I wonder if those are used in any kind of fantastical things. What mathematical significance Fibonacci's? Oh, apparently it's like the golden ratio which kind of looks like that, a bit of like a half of a spiral or a bit of a, a snail's shell turned upside down. You, would have seen, you might have seen it in design. You might have, if you ever studied graphic design or something like that, you might have come across it. Also, if you're just like nerding out and finding out cool things about the universe, it's seen in nature everywhere. And there's a whole thing about it being like the golden ratio for like beauty ideals as well. It's a very curious thing. So yeah, the number 13 is a major player in the universe. What is its secret? I hope you found that as fascinating as I did. If not, too bad. Don't tell me. Go make your own podcast, I guess. I'm going to keep doing it because I'm having too much fun. And speaking of things I'm going to keep doing, let's get this book out and see who I can share with you today. The fifth entrepreneur in my uh, mini-series of uh, unlikely pioneers of social change 
is Madame C.J. Walker. She is actually on the front cover of this book. It's a colourful, hardbound book. And inside, it's just beautiful. All the photos and the quotes. I highly recommend grabbing a copy if you're enjoying this segment and you want to read more about all of these amazing people. This book is beautifully made. So Madame C.J. Walker, who is she? She is a African-American businesswoman, activist, and philanthropist who built an empire selling her hair products to black women against a backdrop of early 20th century racial inequality. Madam C.J. Walker provided work opportunities for thousands of women of color while supporting many African-American causes through the sales of her product and success of her business. She was born in 1867, died 1919, and in fact, it was only 14 years prior that she established her line of hair care products. It was when she moved to Colorado in 1905. She grew her business by recruiting black women through connections with local churches where she would personally demonstrate her products. She built up a network of door-to-door sales agents and set up a mail order service. This business model gave thousands of black women the opportunity to work for themselves. She was also a single parent after the death of her husband. She set up a college. She, she established the Layla College of Beauty Culture in 1908. And she was an absolute embodiment of the quote she is. And, and she's the absolute embodiment of one of her famous quotes. Don't sit down and wait for the opportunities to come. Get up and make them. That is Madam C.J. Walker, creator of... Madam C.J. Walker's Wonderful Hair Grower in 1914. I hope you've enjoyed learning these facts. I I certainly have enjoyed what I have discovered so far. And I won't be stopping here. And I won't be stopping here. I'm going to be expanding. This book has so many different types of business owners throughout the the centuries. We're going to hear about engineers, politicians, economists, thought leaders, people in tech, design, health, medicine. All the things. I can't wait. The recording you're about to listen to was originally broadcast on Simple Social Media Solutions podcast on the 10th of March 2022 and is being cross-posted here today so that you can hear all of the wonderful goodness that I shared with, with their audience recently. Social media doesn't have to be complicated or time-consuming or stressful. You don't have to let fear of messing up or other people slow you down. Instead, you can grow a thriving social media presence. One that benefits your business without taking your time, giving you stress, or leaving you overwhelmed. Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Katie. And we are the founders and owners of Grace & Hope Co., a social media management company. We know how hard it can be to come up with ideas of what to post, to stay on top of all the different platforms, and still have time and energy for the rest of your business. So here on Simple Social Media Solutions, we will give you easy tips and strategies for organic social media growth that will impact your business without adding stress. Let's get started. Hi, Georgia, and welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here today. Welcome, welcome. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah. So first off, could you just share a little bit about yourself and where you are in the marketing and entrepreneurial world? 
Yes, I am a marketing strategist. Um, I call myself a tech and marketing consultant sometimes because I feel like this day and age, it's pretty difficult to separate marketing and tech. So mm -hmm. I have skill sets on both those fronts and I now love using them to help amplify niche voices online. So people mm -hmm. who struggle usually to be seen, heard and celebrated, I like to help them push through whatever barriers are in place if they are in a stigmatized niche or they're in a restricted marketing industry with different regulations. Often we have to look at different strategies than the norm. So that's where I come in. Great. That's awesome. So you're talking specifically about brands that are kind of in that controversial stigmatized niche, right? So what are some examples of those? Yeah, so I, I work a lot with brands in the sexual wellness and sexual health and also just sexual um, enlightenment, I guess. So I work with a lot of brands in that industry and then mental health and neurodiversity is a big one lately. There's a lot of mm -hmm. pushback when you try to talk about mental health things because there are important regulations around therapeutic conversations and stuff like that and what claims you're making. So mm -hmm. um, a brand that works in any kind of brain science or therapy would be another example. Cannabis too, that's mm -hmm. legal in some states and countries and not others. So again, it's, it's those things, they're not illegal, but they're sometimes questionable or frowned upon by certain groups. Mm. And so, yeah, these brands have a bit of a harder time getting their ads approved or they feel like they get shadow banned on Instagram or whatever it is. So I like to try and help make sure they do get seen and heard. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say are some of the biggest challenges that brands like that are facing? Definitely, it's this feeling that they don't have security with their mm. social media. It's, it's this constant fear of having their account shut down or, you know, disabled, get thrown in Facebook jail or worse, you know, have the whole thing locked down. So definitely the challenge of how do I go out and say the things I want to say? How do I make the content that my audience would love without stepping too far into the risky zone and potentially losing everything. Yeah. Yeah. That is kind of a delicate line. What are, um, what's kind of the number one thing you really want all of those brands to know? Like what's the number one thing that will help them? Oh, I want to, I want them to know that it is not as restrictive as they think that hmm. they, uh, they are not as stuck as they think. What you need is to know the right words and how to use them. There's a lot more that they can say and do, but it's not necessarily just as easy as it is with other niches. So I'd love for them to know that it's worth pursuing. Get an expert to help you figure out whatever it is in your industry that flies and doesn't fly. And yeah. don't just write off social media because of that additional hurdle in, in yeah, those industries. Yeah. I know that one of the things that you do is help brands like that kind of find a strategy. So what are some top pieces of advice for trying to figure out a strategy that is probably consistent, but also keeps you within that safe space of social media? Mm -hmm. Well, 
the strategy is i i guess it depends on the place that the business is in at the beginning sometimes we're looking for strategies to help them generate more leads or get more traffic other times maybe it's just a brand awareness thing so i I don't do any cookie cutter strategies. It's all based on a deep dive into their business and their needs and how we can get them to their goals. But in general, if I had to summarize, I would say strategy number one is protect your assets. I always mm -hmm. go through and make sure they have an email list where they are you know, directing their social following to somewhere, a list that they own, as we say. I make sure that they have more than one channel of communication so usually that's yeah. email plus social and a couple of extra things like backup admins and sharing their pixel or their audiences with another account in case they do get locked out so strategy number one protect yourself strategy after that it comes down to how can we reach your people mm -hmm. without just doing the obvious because the obvious mm -hmm. is usually what ads don't get approved you know right we want to kind of work around be creative what images what words can we say that gets the point across or hey what can we do instead of that completely shall we look at influencer marketing or, or pr and press and media so yeah the strategy really is what's the best way to get you in front of your audience given what it, whatever you have in your business and whatever you want to achieve yeah i mean that's kind of the whole goal of all marketing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it we're is. a lot in the same space. Um, what would you say to someone who maybe wants to start figuring out how to grow their social media platform on, say, TikTok right now? Oh, I love TikTok. It's one of my favorite platforms. I'm addicted to it. I got hooked on TikTok, <laughs> I think in like even 2019 or 28, like way before it was massively popular. Uh-huh. But I loved it just because it's my kind of thing. It's short form video. It's funny. It's like pranks. It's, it's It just ticked all the boxes for me. Mm -hmm. But what's exciting now is seeing how well TikTok works for the brands that I like to support. Yeah. In particular, it's a little bit more Wild West at the moment on TikTok. You know, like the old days of Instagram and Facebook before all mm -hmm. of the automated flagging and community reviewers all over the world um, sort of descended on the on the platform. Mm -hmm, TikTok mm -hmm. is a little bit like that. It's going to happen. Of course it is. Anything that gets large has to be regulated because it's the law and, you know, <laughs> it's not right. usually the platforms that want to do this. It's it's the governments and, and legal um, authorities and whatever. Right. So until that happens, TikTok is great because you just have a little bit more freedom. But even when that goes away, TikTok as a content format is so good for anybody who has a moving, emotional, um, sort of education-based message. That TikTok is perfect for these short form things. Like I have a message, I have a belief, I have a idea. To get started on TikTok, just try creating content around those points. Brainstorm okay. what your beliefs are. Don't worry too much about trying to fit in with the trends. They're great if you can mimic them. But honestly, just create content that's a bit polarizing, that's a bit controversial. Like stake yeah. your claim and you'll start to grow your following that way. Yeah, I've definitely noticed that on TikTok. It's definitely more 
uh, there's a lot more variety. It's not quite as cookie cutter yet. So mm-hmm. um, I've noticed that specifically in like the the ADHD or the mental health, there seems to be like a really big surge of talking about where you're at mental health wise and being open and honest about like your anxiety or your depression or what you're suffering with. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. And I think TikTok gives us a little bit more of a private window in to people's experience mm-hmm. that then facilitates that education because ADHD is a perfect example. There's a lot of women in particular because they're less diagnosed, but a lot of men and women who are in their thirties who totally were skipped as a teen or as a kid because Mm -hmm. they didn't present with the usual symptoms. But now that they're on TikTok, the algorithms are so clever. They can group us together, not based on our interests in terms of keywords, but in, (laughs) but they can group us based on our behavior in terms of watch time and sharing things. So even without TikTok intending to group ADHD people together, for example, Mm -hmm. it will naturally happen. It will recommend content that other people like you are browsing. So suddenly you get this sort of all these people getting attracted to the same content and actually seeing a window into an ADHD person's life and recognizing Mm -hmm. themselves in it. Mm -hmm. So I I love that for any niche where you kind of have these misconceptions. You know, I don't want you to think that couples counseling is scary. I want you to see it's really like to go to an intimacy coach with your partner and then TikTok is just fantastic because it has that personal and entertaining both those layers together yeah I love that um well thank you so much for being here with us today uh just lastly do you have any other parting piece of advice for someone who is in this place yes I would say this goes for any platform any marketing strategy at any time Always ask yourself the question, who would be interested in this and how else can I attract them? Always, Mm -hmm. always think of the buyer and focus on attracting them rather than selling your product. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Come again, I'm again. Podcast by Radio Gina. Thank you.